The COVID-19 pandemic had a dramatic effect on the veterinary industry and the lives of pets as a whole. The impact on the health and well-being of the cats and dogs we all love has been tremendous, and the way in which we care for them has been transformed. Today, we'll be discussing some of the trends we've seen as a result of the pandemic and where we see the veterinary industry heading as we work to regain some normalcy in our everyday lives. Welcome to Vet Talk with Royal Canaan, where we discuss an array of topics relevant to veterinarians and veterinary medicine. I'm Brenda Andreessen, Chief Strategy Officer at Stevens & Associates and your host for today's conversation. Joining me today are Dr. Kirk Bruninger, Division Vice President, Veterinary Quality, Banfield Pet Hospital. Welcome, Kirk. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi, Brenda. Thank you for having me. Uh, so uh, I'm with Banfield Pet Hospital for the past 11 years now, working in a number of roles from a veterinarian in our hospitals to our veterinary science team, where we looked at a lot of epidemiologic trends for diseases in our pet populations, to now the Division Vice President of Veterinary Quality, where I really oversee our medical quality operations across our thousand hospitals. So you're going to lend some really broad perspective to our conversation. Thank you for joining us. And also joining us today is Dr. Craig Datz, board certified veterinary nutritionist, senior director of scientific affairs, Royal Canaan. Welcome, Craig. Thank you, Brenda. And welcome, Kirk. Glad you could join us today. Let's dig right in here and talk first about the changes in pet ownership and the pet health that we've seen throughout the pandemic. So Kirk, let's start with you. What's top of mind? Well, what's top of mind for me is that over the past 18 months, we've seen 11 million households get a new pet during the pandemic. And you've probably seen a lot of the, uh, the news out there, the shelters not having any animals in the shelters. And that is really a consequence of uh, people being home and having the freedom in their schedule to do that. But it also means that there's more demand for veterinary care in the veterinary industry. And it's something that we've been seeing in our hospitals quite a bit. We've seen over half a million more pet visits in 2020 than we did the prior year. And that is because our clients have more pets and they have more flexibility in their schedules to bring them to the vet as well. All right, Craig, top of mind for you. Yeah, with the uh, pandemic, we are seeing more pets. And as a, as a pet food company, we are certainly manufacturing and distributing more, more pet food than we usually have. And there seems to be a greater interest in uh, the media, social media, and so forth about stories around pets and pandemic adopted pets. And then now that some people are going back to the office there, I see a lot of information being circulated about how, how do we deal with pets that are used to having uh, their owners home with them all day, and now their owners are back to the office. So let's talk a little bit about how COVID has reshaped how pet owners see their pets. Have you seen, as you've been talking with your colleagues, um, a big difference in the perception, how they're treating their pets, how they're talking with their pets, where they're taking their pets? Kirk, what have you been seeing? Well, Banfield actually performed a survey on this of pet owners. And what we found is that 84% of pet owners are really feeling more attuned to their pet's health because they're spending that time with them. And because they're spending that time with them as well, they're also making changes at home for actually how they care for their pets. 67% of people are making those changes. Now, the biggest thing that they're talking to our veterinarians about is that there's a lot of anxiety about what this looks like going back into the office post-pandemic and what that means for separation anxiety with our pets. And so that's a great opportunity for all of our pet owners to partner with our veterinarians to come up with the best plan for that. In addition to some of the, the separation anxiety, that's, that's 
a really a good one. That's a great um, opportunity for veterinarians to have that kind of conversation with their pet owners. But it feels as if obesity has really grown and it's concerned too. And while it's not a new one, it feels as if uh, we've got some COVID-19 waste tightening for pets as well as for the pet owners. So how can we use this moment of transition and this conversational opportunity um, to, to talk a little bit about obesity with our pet owners? Brenda, you picked a topic near and dear to my heart. And it's not just over the pandemic that we've been seeing a rise in pet obesity. In fact, just over the past year, there was a 2.3% increase in obesity in dogs that we saw at Banfield. But this has been an ongoing trend for the past decade. Over the past decade, we actually saw a 108% increase in dogs diagnosed being overweight or obese. And in cats, that's 114%. So this is a continuing trend that we've had for some time. But I would say that the, the best thing the veterinary industry can do is there's two things as we're engaging with our clients. The first thing is helping to educate clients about what a healthy and normal weight looks like for pets. The second piece is providing appropriate nutritional recommendations and providing appropriate uh, activity recommendations to help maintain appropriate weight or to develop a personalized weight loss program for those pets. And Craig, I'd love to have you weigh in on weigh in on this as well. Yeah, thanks, Brenda, for that question, and thank you, Kirk, for those uh, those statistics, which are certainly notable and something we should all be thinking about as veterinarians. As a nutritionist, I've been concerned about overweight obesity um, for not just a decade, probably for decades, because it is the most common nutritional problem we see, or it's even called malnutrition. While we think of malnutrition as being too thin or maybe deficient in some nutrient, it's actually true that an obese animal or person is in fact malnourished. I would love to see veterinarians spend some extra time if they can during their appointments to discuss um, proper weight and proper methods of doing body condition scoring. And if veterinarians and their, their staff have a chance to go on their social media or on their clinic websites or have bulletin boards or some kind of indicators in their practices, um, just a gentle reminder that we need to talk about body weight and body condition scoring of our pets now more than ever. So Craig, that's a perfect segue into talking about how the pandemic affected the overall practice of veterinary medicine. I'm sure there are learnings each of you can share with our listeners. So I'd be curious, Craig, you know, what has been learned specific to the discussion of obesity and nutrition? Yeah, that's a great question, Brenda. And I think veterinarians have gotten a lot better over the years about getting diet histories and doing nutritional assessments on every patient every time. And in many cases, we can um, delegate that task to our technicians and our paraprofessional staff. Um, the idea of talking to clients about the foods they are feeding, the treats they are giving, the amount of activity um, should become part of just a, a regular uh, office visit, whether it's for a routine wellness check or whether it's for an illness or an accident. I believe that this, again, just uh, you could make some just a small talk about how the pandemic has affected the client's lives and the pet's lives. You could ask just the normal things like, oh, have you been working from home? Um, has your pet gotten more or less activity during the pandemic? Are there now changes in the environment? And that could kind of softly go into the thing like, well, have, have we um, given 
uh, fluffy more treats lately because we're home all the time and, and she is so cute and she just loves to be um, uh, loves to get attention and so I have to give her more treats so all those conversations just open up the door for our veterinarians and our staffs to just bring up the idea of um, you know how much we are feeding how often we're feeding which diets we are feeding um, and then um, treating obesity as a disease and not just a, uh, a condition or a syndrome is also important for veterinarians and staffs to consider is when you see an obese animal, we need to think of it as a chronic inflammatory disease that's going to cause morbidity and mortality and shorten the animal's lifespan. And just as we would see an animal with like chronic kidney disease or chronic heart disease or chronic liver disease, we would want to address that and manage that long-term. So when we see obesity, we should be thinking about that. That, that obesity is a chronic disease and we should be thinking about managing that from now forward. Let's zoom out from the specific topic of obesity here and really look at those more foundational changes in the way practice is actually done. And I'm sure, Kirk, you have seen across all the Banfield hospitals just a real sea change. So talk with us a little bit about that. What has been most notable? Well, Brenda, I'd like to actually add to, uh, to something that Craig was talking about with new, the nutrition and obesity. Um, Craig gave a lot of really great examples about what our veterinary teams can do to help support uh, educating owners and um, helping to uh, provide better nutritional recommendations for them. The biggest thing I see that we often miss as clinicians is the fact that when we're putting a weight loss plan in place, we are really asking a client and their family to change the habits they have within their family. And behavior change is not easy to do. And this is a lot of times why we can get failure of compliance to different treatment plans as well. And so to Craig's point, it's really about understanding what are those habits, what are those routines, and then how can we give simple, small changes that they can begin implementing that will be easy for them to grab onto and begin forming new routines in the household to support those changes. So I just wanted to add that. Now that's really great advice. So let's zoom out now from obesity and talk a little bit about some of the more, the wider sea change that has happened in the practice of veterinary medicine over the course of the pandemic. And, you know, Kirk, from your position at Banfield, I'm sure you have seen a lot of drastic, a lot of drastic change over the past, you know, 12 to 18 months. Would you share some of that with us? Absolutely. I would say the two biggest things is one, the demand has increased so much that across the veterinary industry, there's a real struggle for hospital capacity to meet that demand and ensure all the pets are getting the care that they need to be getting. And so, uh, and so there's many different things that have been put in place across the industry to address this. I'll talk about a couple of things that Banfield has done, which look similar across the industry. One of the things is we've really elevated our certified veterinary technicians and the role that they play in providing care to pets. We launched our Certified Veterinary Technician Appointment Program approximately two years ago, but it really took off during the pandemic because we had to meet that demand, and it grew by more than 600% just over the past year, and that's phenomenal level of growth that we saw. Additionally, uh, we also know that we need to connect with clients in a new and different way. And so virtual pet care has gotten quite a bit of momentum over this pandemic, especially because we need a social distance with each other, but those pets still need the care as well. And we know there's many, many uh, issues that we can actually look at, 
uh, diagnose or at least give recommendations around whether to come in now, you can hold off, or you can do this simple thing and call me back to be more efficient with our time in the hospital and with the client and pet's time as well too, so we can help meet that demand. It's interesting, you know, we all work uh, very closely with others in the veterinary industry, and it is in fact a very close-knit industry relative to some others. So how in your minds can we all work together to achieve some better outcomes for patients that are facing some of these health challenges um, that are related not just to the pandemic and extra weight, but to other issues um, that we that we face in the, the profession on a regular basis. Craig, thoughts? Uh, yes, uh, Brenda, in fact, uh, as Kirk mentioned, virtual care and telehealth visits are, um, you know, definitely became part of the way we practice during the pandemic. And in some cases, they are continuing today. Um, specifically, going back to nutrition, uh, Royal Canaan is doing a pilot program with nutritional consults through a telehealth platform. And we hope to have some results from that in a few months. Um, veterinary clinics and their teams can certainly leverage uh, leverage companies such as pet food companies, pharmaceutical companies, and even if it's like a flea and tick question, it is certainly acceptable to direct your client to possibly call the company that manufactures the product to ask their questions about fleas and ticks instead of necessarily thinking they have to um, keep calling the veterinarians who may be busy and because of the increased demand to answer some routine like flea life cycle questions that could be handled possibly. So anytime a, a, you know, a veterinary team can think of way of uh, outsourcing, delegating, uh, directing clients to a, a different source of information would be wonderful. Um, but I also agree with Kirk that elevating our, our veterinary technicians and their roles as being uh, fully trained and oftentimes they are as good or better educators than we veterinarians are as far as taking the time to really explain to clients in, in good understandable real life language. Sometimes we veterinarians get caught up in jargon and medical terminology and we lose our clients and maybe our vet techs would be better off just uh, handling uh, those calls, those virtual health visits, telehealth, um, anything from you know, official platforms, but even just like a, a FaceTime or a, a Zoom meeting is certainly a, a new way of looking at veterinary practice. So I think a lot about the future of the veterinary profession. We're feeling the, the pain point of this moment because of how much adoption has occurred over the past year. And we have that capacity issue. Looking at the trends of pet ownership and the trends of the growth of veterinary professionals right now, by the time 2030 hits, there's going to be about 75 million pets in the U.S. who do not have access to veterinary care because we do not have the veterinary professionals around to support it. So I also think a lot about what is the work that we can do today to help set us up for success in the future. And I know there's a lot of things that are happening in the profession, and I'll just give two examples that I know Banfield is involved in. One of them is we're really looking at targeting children and helping to garner and inspire their interests from an early age in the profession, giving them more exposure to the profession. About 35% of children at some point want to be a veterinarian. So it seems like a very simple thing that we can tag on there to continue that, um, that inspiration and engagement with it. So uh, we're actually beginning to partner with the Boys and Girls Clubs of America 
in 15 different cities across the country to really educate and inspire those kids and give them an opportunity to see what careers in veterinary medicine look like. And then the second approach to that that we're doing is really targeting high school students through what we're calling the Pet Academy. And this is, again, another point in time where we can really educate about what does veterinary medicine truly look like and how can we give them uh, those touch points and that opportunity and that exposure. And on top of that, we know diversity in our profession is a huge issue as well. We are a 90% white profession. And going after both of these prongs, not only can we help to encourage more people to come into the veterinary profession and meet those demand needs, we can also diversify the profession at the same time too. It's interesting how we can take something like a pandemic and find inspiring ways to let it propel a profession forward. You know, this is such a big topic. And so we are going to dig into it a little further in a second episode of that talk. Um, but for the moment, we'll say goodbye to Kirk and goodbye to Craig. And thank you both for, uh, for your time having this conversation right now. Thanks for having us. Thank you, Brenda.